we have a very special privilege and treat today um, to have uh, Pastor Bruce Monk with us. Um, if, yeah. Um, for those of you have, who have been on the, the journey with, for, with us for a little while, you know the influence that this man has had uh, for our church and in our lives personally. Um, and we don't take it lightly, uh, the call and the gift that's on his life. And um, he, he this, this kind of all came out of his heart. And I know that sounds scary. Um, but the thing about his heart, it resonates so greatly with our heart and our call to the central coast of California and beyond into other cities, into other cities. Do you agree? Come on, the central coast and beyond up into San Francisco, down maybe Santa Barbara, wouldn't that be a good time? Maybe Ventura, San Luis Obispo, Atascadero, and beyond, right? And that resonates in our hearts greatly. Um, and so 30 years ago, Bruce pioneered a church in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, that we're reaping the fruit of today. And so we don't take it lightly that he's here with us. And so would you stand and welcome him as he comes and brings the word today? Come on. Just stay uh, standing for a moment, if you wouldn't mind. I, I love that song, Not Today, and the reason why I like it is um, when I heard it, it so reminded me of my youngest grandchild. She, I think, was four, and her favorite little saying when we asked her to do something was, not today. <laughs> and then there, I heard that song, and so we, we called the song Gria because <laughs> that's her name, not today. <laughs> and she says it in this cute little voice, and so every time I hear it, I think of her. But anyhow, we're standing against the enemy. But before we pray, I, I, I just wanted to pick up on the thought of glory, you know, show us your glory. And when you look at... Um, when you look at the word glory through Scripture, just two, two inferences is uh, um, Isaiah chapter 60. It says, rise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then if you go into the New Testament and you come to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says God has given us a spirit of liberty. And then it says, we, behold, we're being changed from glory to glory as by the spirit of the Lord. And so what I want you to do, just as I pray, is I want you to turn to someone. I want you to turn to someone. Be bold. They're not going to bite you. And I want you to, right now, just look at that person because you're looking at his glory. And sometimes we think the glory of God is mystical, but the glory of God is around you. You are the glory of God. And uh, sometimes we're looking for something that's mystical, or some cloud to come from heaven, but we are the glory of the Lord. God has entrusted to us his glory. He said, don't take the glory of God to yourself. It's his glory, but he's entrusted his glory. And often the glory of God is all around us and the people that we love. Amen? And I just want you to lift your hands with that knowledge today because the glory of the Lord is around us. It's in people. 
And often we're looking for something different, but it's actually in you and I. And today I just pray, I prophesy into this church, Father, that we will see your glory manifest every day in the people's lives around us. And we will be amazed at just the way you work in people's lives, whether it's of the healing of this little baby, uh, just as we go on the journey of life, your glory is so profound, it's so living, it's so real, it's touchable. And we thank you for that. And I speak it today in the name of Jesus, that this church equip us here on the coast. God, we will we will display your glory to a broken humanity. Your works are in us. Your works are around us. And we declare that, Father, for your glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. How about turning around and giving a couple of people a high five? And, uh... Always love being with Pat and Terry, John and Lene, and just everybody, Carl, Barbara, a lot of people who meet. Uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, I've over the years developed great friendships in this church. And so for me, always coming here, I always think is home. It's one of those places away from home that's home. And uh, I do love coming among you. I feel so welcomed, and I thank you for uh, receiving me, the gift that God's placed on my life. Never take it for granted, and um, so may God bless you. Uh, what, what I want to do today is, is uh, just show you a little clip again. It's uh, as one, one of my grandchildren, and I love displaying my grandkids because I love seeing them grow in Christ. And uh, Helen, my wife, that's why she can't travel with me as much. I think she's here probably in October this year. But, um, you know, she's taken up the children's ministry in the Auckland Church, and, and I really admire her for that. Uh, she, she's just doing an amazing job seeing people really, um, little kids impacted with Christ, and she's got them praying, prophesying, uh, kids again being healed by the prayers of little kids, and I've got a prayer tent, <laughs> uh, so all kids go into prayer tents when they've got a need, and she's just really very creative, but she did a, did a series in the, um, in the church, uh, with the kids, she called it Mission Possible. Not impossible, but mission possible. And um, this, this little boy, she, she throws a question. He's, he's around our home, so he's got no preparation time. She just said, sit down on the couch. I want to ask you a question. And uh, so this is a question and his answer without any preparation. This is how he responds. Um, are you guys ready to do that? All good. He needs some sound. In Jesus' name. <laughs> All good to go? Not today. <laughs> it might be not today. <laughs> we'll give it a little moment. But it's just wonderful what God does in kids' lives. Just the treasure, never under, under, undervalue the power of the transforming nature of Jesus in a person's life. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I'm a great believer in is child conversion. Because, you know, our lives don't change without the Holy Spirit. So how can we expect little children's lives to change without the Holy Spirit being present? We don't just learn. We don't just teach them knowledge. But we teach them revelation. 
And when a little child gets born again by the Spirit of God, I, I, I think it's amazing to watch the Spirit of God. They're still naughty, <laughs> but they are definitely going to work. Doesn't look like it. We'll give, give it a miss if it's not. Okay, leave it out. Anyhow, it's, uh, if, if, if we could get going, you, you'd be blessed by it. I get blessed by it every time I see it. Uh, but what I want to do primarily to talk about today is, is, is a theme. And, you know, when you come to church, you, you, um, and especially when you're coming, I think I've been coming here since 2003, and you always want to definitely be creative. You want to prepare your heart. Uh, you want to bring a message that is not the same as you've brought before, definitely. Um, but then also you, you look at it and you think, well, you know, what, what's best? Me today be, to be creative and bring you something new or me today to bring something profound? What would you rather have? Profound because that's what I'm really going to do anyhow. <laughs> and, and, and so it might have something in it that is in the past that I've spoken, but I believe it's a message to the church here on the Central Coast, and it's a message that I believe God wants to put into the house. Amen? And if I was to give it a title, it's simply called Welcome Home. Welcome Home. And that's a prophetic statement, and uh, I've got... Um, I travel a lot. I think by the end of April, I will have been in 12 different nations around the world. Uh, so I'm traveling for the whole month of uh, February. I was away, and Helen wasn't traveling with me. And uh, as I got past 21 days, she said, you're away longer than you're normally supposed to be. So it was like this little rebuke coming over the phone. And I hadn't warned her. And she said, how did you get away with that? Um, but one of the things I, I love doing is going home. Because basically, by nature, I'm a homeboy. Even though God's given me the grace to travel, I love going home. And one of the joys of going home is actually when you get to the airport, you come through immigration customs and everything, and you come through the door. And uh, in, in Auckland, the door opens, you come through. And the first thing you're looking for is Helen. It's the first thing you do, you look for. And I always like it when I see her because she's got the smile and it's that welcome home smile. Amen? You're home. And, you know, it's that embrace which actually makes it so worthwhile when you come together, you embrace and you kiss and you say, you know, you don't say the words welcome home, but you just know you're home. You're, you're where you're meant to be. What really added to that, and I don't know whether they can show this photo, it's only a photo, so it's got no sound, is that we sort of somehow got a dog this year. We bought it for our, um, we bought it for our, our uh, Helen's parents, thinking that it would uh, give them a bit of comfort, and then in the end they didn't want it, so we now have it. This dog's called Molly, and, uh, and so Molly's pretty cute. Uh, that was her just before I left. She's grown. She'll grow a little bit bigger than that. But, um, you know, I come off a farm traditionally, and so when Molly came in, I took her to a groomer, and they groomed her, and she came home with a pink ribbon <laughs> tied behind her neck. And so I deliberately put it up on, on, um, on Facebook to show that I'm very macho. I've got it together, you know. <laughs> um, but, but, but Helen says, oh, Molly's forgotten you. And uh, you've been away so long, Molly's forgotten you. 
And so I get in the car, and Molly just jumps all over me. So I've got another welcome home now. <laughs> Amen? Molly's there to welcome me home. Every time I come home, she's there to welcome me in. And she just went crazy. Uh, and so somehow this little dog had remembered, but welcome home. You can take that down now. But I, and then, you know, there's a song written by a Kiwi, a famous song in New Zealand. And in a way, it's talking about cultures connecting together. And, uh, you know, you, you get such division, diversity, especially by different cultures. And the song was written about two cultures coming together. And the song is actually called Welcome Home. So I welcome home, bid you welcome home. I bid you welcome home. Welcome home from the um, bottom of my heart. And then it just says, welcome home. See, I have made a space for you. I've made a space for you. And, you know, that's really for me today, my message for equippers here on the Central Coast is, you know, we, we want to make a space. Prophetically, we're making a space for, for, for people right along this coast to come home. And are we a welcome home? Are we creating an atmosphere of, of the, uh, for these people in a way to, to come home, to, to be ministered to, to allow? And, I, and I'm not speaking to what you're not doing. But I actually believe I'm speaking into what God wants to enlarge in our heart and in our capacity. Because really, right now, I believe there's just multitudes upon multitudes of people who are being highlighted for salvation. And what they need is a, a church that's going to welcome them. A church that's going to welcome them home. It's almost like we're, we're, we're prepared, we're waiting. There's something in our heart. Uh, we're, we're, we're not just coming into the service on a Sunday, but we're coming in here because we believe that, uh, just coming in here for ourselves. but we're coming here because we're creating an environment where people who are broken, people who are afflicted, people who are going through a difficulty in life, uh, whatever it is, it's like we, we've created the environment for them. It's a welcome home environment. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is really wanting to do that. And I want to speak into it. And I'm taking a, a well-known passage of Scripture. It's a Scripture found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to uh, 32. Not, uh, it's a story of what we would traditionally call a prodigal son. Uh, but I actually believe probably more accurately it would need to be titled a, a, a parable about the Father heart of God. Because it's more about God's heart to welcome home than it is actually about the son. And often we focus on the son because he went down into the pit. But really, when you analyze it, it tells you so much about the heart of God. So much about God's heart for broken people. And our attitude is we take hold of the heart of God, what that should reflect. And so I'm just going to read uh, portions of it. And uh, just from verse 11, and then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls me. And if you just notice in, the, in this thing, the language would change of the young man. His language initially is give me. And I think we're in a very selfish generation, a generation that's really, really looking for uh, something to indulge, that, that, that is indulgent. It's an indulgent. It's all about, about what we can get, what can gratify us. It's a very indulgent uh, generation, I think. It's not just younger people. I think older people are living for themselves. And it's, a, it's like a give me attitude. And, and we don't want that in the church. 
you know, the church has got to have a different attitude. It says, give me a portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Not many days after the young man uh, gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, he arose and, uh, uh, sorry, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swines ate, so no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the word. Originally it was, give me, but now it's, make me. Make me. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And a son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and, he, uh, and bring the fatted calf here and killed it. And let us eat and be merry, for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And when you look, you know, that amazing change in the boy's heart is, is reflective, I think, of a dad who prayed, which I'll come to in a moment. But his heart changed. Something changed within him. You can never force that change. That's a change that God does internally within the heart of our humanity. And I think often what, where we're in danger in the West, especially America, New Zealand, Germany, is we think that, that, that political, changing political laws or parties will change the nation. I just want to let you know, I don't believe it will. I don't believe it will. I think we're putting hope in the wrong thing. What we actually need right now is a reformation. We need a revival. We actually need churches to rise up and become the church of Jesus Christ to a broken humanity because I think we're going to get more and more disillusioned, to be honest, because we have a generation of give-me's, but only the heart of God can change a generation where people are looking to, for the, they've got the give-me attitude to a make-me attitude. Make me, make me. How much we want to hear that sound. And I think we can learn a lot about the Father's heart in that transformation period. And I just want to give some of the things that I believe are prophetic for the church here on the coast. Number one is, is you look at the heart of the Father was always very generous. We need a generous heart, not a judgmental heart. Because the Father, when the Son came to him, he could have, he, I, I think he could have perceived straight away what would happen with this boy, because his attitude was wrong. But what he asked for, he rewarded with money. Pretty powerful, isn't it? He rewarded with money. He, he asked him for his inheritance, and the father gave him his inheritance. Because he, wasn't, he didn't put value in the money. He wanted the son to learn something, that money will never, ever change the heart of a person. 
You can have more and more, but that will not change who you are. And when you put your, put, put your value in a resource, you lose. We need resource, but the resource doesn't change the heart. Giving the boy the money, I believe the father was generous because he wanted to teach him something. And he did not worry about the loss of an inheritance. He worried more about what God needed to teach the boy in his heart. There was a generosity of his spirit. He gave him. Say, he gave him. The boy, give me, but he responded and gave. And he didn't put conditions around it. He gave the generosity. And I think often in the church of Jesus Christ, we need this generosity of heart that reflects the nature of God because as we embrace it, I believe the judgment we're bringing against the world will disappear. People don't want to come to a church that's judgmental. Amen? They want to come to a church where they feel accepted, where there's a generosity of heart to their brokenness and to the area of their condition of humanity. And so often in the church, we, we build up these judgmental attitudes. Uh, our church in Auckland initially was based in what you'd probably typical, the best way to describe it, the red light area. And we actually had to put on, around the road uh, people hosts right from the time they got out of their car, just simply because we wanted to create a, a place of protection more than anything. But we had greeters right from the time people got out of the car, just simply because we did not like young girls. Often there were prostitutes out in the corner of the street and, uh, you know, different things. And so we just created a place where people can come, feel secure, we have protection. And I don't know whether you've ever seen some big Polynesian boys, but they're often quite big. You know, <laughs> their arms are probably as big as my thighs. <laughs> but, they, you know, they're big boys, so we made sure there was a few of them around. And, um, and people felt protected because they would come to church, and we looked after them. But... but uh, uh, they, they developed many years ago what they called a hero parade. Hero parade, just in another term, was a gay parade. And it began right by our building. And a whole lot of, and I, I, I'm not judging them, I would say they're well-meaning Christians, decided that they wanted to protest against the gay parade. And, 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 and I, uh, they wanted to use our building. I said, no, no. You're not coming into our building. Now, these were well-meaning Christians. You're not protesting because, you know, the very people you're protesting against are the people we're trying to win. Amen. They don't want our judgment. They're already under the judgment of God. They need our love. It's not the judgment of man that leads people to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Amen. And, and as so easy to actually adopt a legalistic mindset rather than actually understanding the heart of God to broken humanity, a generosity of heart. And I'm not condoning gay, gay lifestyles. Please hear me. I'm just saying, come on, how are we going to win the lost? It's not in our judgment. They stand under the judgment. In fact, the judgment of God is for the house of God, not for the people out there. Come on, that's biblical. <laughs> I just want to say it again. The judgment of God is, is not for the people out there. It's for the house of God. 
And I believe that we need to get this generosity, the nature of the heart of God. And sometimes I just stand, and the only way I can deal with things, God, I just take my judgment off that. Amen? I take my judgment. I'm not going to judge that. Why? Because I want to reach it. And I can't reach it while I've got a heart of judgment. I've got to have a generosity of heart. And I think in this thing here, it really does challenge our value system because the Father gave. And he gave a resource knowing that it would end up in nothing. (laughs) How many could do that? (laughs) How many could give to your prodigal son their inheritance now? (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) Knowing that in a few years' time, there'd be nothing left. But God did. He says that's his heart. The generosity of heart to break through. And sometimes our value systems are not the same as the value systems of God. The second thing that we can really pick up, and it's not really mentioned, but, but there was a prayerful, there was a generosity, but there was a prayerful response. I know it's a parable about God, but uh, the boy comes to himself. And as he comes to himself, something changes in his humanity. And I've learned over the many years of pastoring and just watching life is, you know, you, 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 you see people give their heart to Jesus or you see people come home and they will say, oh, I've got a grandma who is praying. And they'll identify this grandma, that, you know, this praying grandma or mother, or dad. You know, with, with sort of every prodigal, every wandering person, there's someone who's praying. Amen? There's someone who's praying. There's someone who's praying. This guy came to himself because there was an attitude in the heart of the father that was reaching out to his broken humanity. He was not standing in judgment. He had a, he had a prayer in his heart. I don't know what it looked like, but every day he thought of this boy. He didn't respond in judgment. He didn't respond in condemnation. He responded with an attitude. Oh God, I right now reach out to you. Have mercy on this young man. Have mercy on him. Somehow break his heart that he might acknowledge you. I've seen people wander, people who have been Christians wander away, or people who are lost. The power of prayer, never underestimate the power of our prayer to see people come home. Amen? We need a praying generation. Right now, I believe God is heightening prayer in the church. Young men and women, please become a prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. You, I know you're praying to someone you can't see, but don't underestimate the power of prayer. The power of pr- prayer not only protects you, but the power of prayer pre- prepares a generation. And I think that God is calling this church into a greater level where we pick up the burden of prayer for individuals, things that are happening, so that we can actually begin to see the power of God released in a greater way, where people, it's almost like he came to himself. How did he come to himself? We were praying. Amen. We were praying. We were praying. How many would like to see that in America? Come on. How how many would like to see right now America come to itself? But there's such battles politically. There's such battles. There's like a conniving. It's almost like the church saying, not not today. (laughs) Come on, not today. Come on, devil. You had enough. Not today. 
We're standing up. We're, we're, we're praying. We're standing in the gap for a broken generation. No, not today. Not on my watch. Come on, not on my watch. Say it with me. Not on my watch. Boy, that was weak. Not on my watch. I'm yelling. <laughs> Come on, not on my watch. It's this attitude. And I found that my prayers to be effective don't need to be long. You don't need to be a long prayer. You don't have to shut yourself away for an hour and get on your knees. No, no, prayer, prayer is in your car. Come on, it's in the shower. Come on, it's in different places. Now, now and again, you need to lock yourself away. But most of, my most effective prayers are really when I'm walking, I'm on the run, I'm doing something, and I remember a person, and I, I've got prophetic prayers for them, and I right now just begin to speak that prophetic prayer into their life, knowing that God is working. Amen? Come on, we need that. We need a generation, whether they're working in their day, they remember someone's name. We just offer a prayer, and sometimes God will say, just text that person right now. The number of people have been saved simply because there's been a prayer and a text. Amen? Come on, we're reaching out. This church is not just for us to enjoy the presence of God. We're creating an environment where people are welcomed home. They're coming into an environment. It's almost like we're ready. Amen? few empty seats around. Imagine unsaved people in those empty seats. Come on, we're prophesying into them today. Come on, we're prophesying. We're speaking into them. We're declaring over them. Then the third part is anticipation. And I love it. It just says, I rose and came to the, he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And, you know, every time I think of the story, it's sort of, in a way, I don't know whether I can do this, but I'm sort of in a cow mode right now, will I or won't I? <laughs> you know, when you've got sort of artificial knees, you think, mm, be careful, Bruce. But anyway, I'll give it a go. But I want to get here. Amen? I'm here. How I get up again, I don't know. I'll have to probably go down there and then come up. <laughs> Amen? But, you know, I, I just, in my view, I can only, you know, I'm very, I'm very visual. So when I read a scripture like this, I don't just analyze it academically. I, I've, got a, I've got a vision, something in my heart. And for me, as I've said from the beginning, this story is not about the boy as much as it is about learning the nature of God. And if we learn the nature, the glory of God in us, we can actually take something. And I often think, I, I, I can just imagine the, the father coming out with his coffee in the morning and sitting on the deck. And he's got this anticipation in his heart. It's not the other one which was against the devil, not today. But perhaps it's, is it today? Is it today? Is it today? Will my boy come home today? It's like living with an anticipation, knowing that his prayers have been heard in heaven. Amen? He knows his prayers have been heard. And I just think, I think a church that God is wanting to raise up in this nation, churches throughout the world, churches that are living with an anticipation. Come on. Is it today? 
Is it today? Come on, is it today? Will he come home today? Is it today? Come on, it's almost like he's sitting there and there's an anticipation in his heart because very much like what John said about resources, it's almost like he's got this anticipation in his heart because he's responding in a prayer of faith, not just the generosity of gold and silver. He's responding with a spirit of faith in his heart and he's not living there and thinking, oh, it will never happen. It will happen. Come on, it will happen. Why? Because there's an anticipation. He's prayed in faith. He's believing. He knows that God's heard his prayer. Sorry for getting emotional. But there's an anticipation. And I believe God will bring multitudes of people into a house where there's an anticipation. An anticipation. And they'll come messed up. Sometimes they come smelly. They have been in the pigsty. He wasn't particularly nice odor when he came home. He's messed up. Can I say it? What would happen if a smelly individual sat next to you? Are we waiting? Are we ready? I watch young people, especially we have a Sunday night service and more for young people. I go there, I think I'm the only grey-head in the service. Boy, some of them smell sometimes. <laughs> I'll be honest, I feel like, do you know what deodorant is? <laughs> and then every now and again I hear it, I smell another smell. I think, no, no, that's not deodorant. <laughs> Then I watch them worship with their hands up. Start responding to the presence of God, the glory of God in the house among individuals. Come on, anticipation. Church, a self-centered church is only about the people in it. A church that will transform society is living with an anticipation of broken humanity coming home. It's about broken humanity coming home. It's about individuals coming under the power of the Spirit of God. God changing their heart because there's been a people who have prayed, who have nurtured. They've prayed for them. They've appealed before the throne of heaven. They're not, they're not waiting. They're not, they're not living with unbelief. But they come on, hear my heart. I believe this is profound for this church. I believe God wants you to come to another level where in a way, come on, young people, it's just not an older person thing. Young people in this church, come on, live as though you can create an environment, anticipating your friends, young people come to Christ, a generation being changed by the Spirit of God. It's an anticipation. And then one day he moved from anticipation and reality happened. He opened his eyes and he saw a figure a long way off. And you know, everybody's got to walk. You can tell a walk. 
Amen. I can tell my boys by their walk. I can tell them. They will have a different, different stride. And he saw this figure coming towards him. And he said, is it? Is it? Is that my boy? Come on, is that my boy? Is that my boy? Come on, is that my boy? And then he, he saw, he recognized. And instead of, you, you think, instead of sitting there in judgment, because he had destroyed his inheritance, this man rises up. The father heart of God, he rises up. He rises up, and he doesn't wait for him to come to him, but he rises up, and he walks off the decking of his house, and he begins to run towards his son because his son is coming home. His son is coming home. His son is coming home. It's like he, he's got, uh, if he could have had a, a placard, he'd have, welcome home, boy. Welcome home. Welcome home. Say it. Welcome home. <laughs> like something is connected in the heart of this man, which reflects the nature of God. And Jesus told the parable because he knew the heart of his father. He was able to reach in because the anticipation was real. And I just want to, just where you are, just put your hands out right now. Come on, I just want to speak. I could prophesy over people, but I just want to speak into your heart right now in Jesus' name. I pray that this church will live with an anticipation right from the car park. Father, as people come into the service on a Sunday, but not just on a Sunday, in the week, there would be an anticipation level rise in this church and that, that, that God, we're just waiting. Every week we're waiting. We're just waiting for people to come home. We're waiting for the sound of those feet, whether they're children, whether they're youth, whether they're older people. God, turning back to Jesus. Bring them home. Amen. My wife and I have, Still blessed, we, her parents are still alive. And he, he's a real trick. He's just uh, bought a, a motor home, new one. He's 94. And we were a bit scared. His wife is 91. And he wants her to be fit so she can still go motor homing. So he also bought a treadmill. And see, so the old girl's got to get on the treadmill every day because we're going motor homing. He's got a dream. He's living with a dream. He's not going to cark it just yet. <laughs> Some days we think it might be better he did, but anyhow, <laughs> he's still going. But do you know we prayed for him for 30 years? 30 years. We just live with this anticipation in our heart. Come on, God. One day, Helen and I decided to visit them. We went into their home. And, and I, can, I can talk, probably you please understand I'm not disrespectful, but I talked to him in ways that he laughed. And I said, you know, his name's Eddie. I said, you know, Eddie, 
I said, you're closer probably to carking it than I am. I said, I, I'm not God, but, you know, going by your age. I said, I'm not sure if you were to cark it today. I use the word cark it. I said, if you were to cark it today, whether when I cark it, whether I'll see you in heaven or not. And I said, I don't want to live with it. I don't want to live with it. So we talked, and he cried, his wife cried. I thought, man, right then they're going to come to Jesus. And I said, would you like us to pray for you? He said, you can pray for us, but I'm not ready to pray the prayer. And this is after 30 years. One of his reasons that he didn't want to pray the prayer was he didn't think he, think he was good enough. I said, you've lived with me for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sort of a, a glowing. <laughs> Amen. So I sort of had to ground it very quickly. Then we went to London. He came to London with us, and we were about to return home. And he just stood there, and we lived with this anticipation. Helen just knew. She said, if I invite my parents to London, they'll get saved. She just had this word. And on the last day, we were coming home, and he drew a stick figure, taking a step into the unknown. And underneath it, he said, I'm ready. And on the last day, leaving London, my wife's prayers were answered. We led in this little wee kitchen in London, her parents to Christ, with tears running down our face. But I honor to this day the anticipation of Helen, who said, if I just do this, they're coming home. Amen? Amen? They're coming home. They're coming home. And I believe that God's got family members he wants to bring home this year. Amen? How many are ready for your family to come home? Come on. He's wanting... But you've got to be honest with people. I knew when I talked like I did, I was loving them. I was never judging them. I was loving it. It came out of a spirit of love and prayer and anticipation. In the fourth area, perhaps, Josh, if you'd just come and play the keyboards, if you're here somewhere, are you there? Waiting on the side, ready. Is restores. Anticipation prepares, creates space, opens our hearts, removes us from being self-focused to being God-focused. Come on, it's more, almost like when we come into this house, yeah, we're ready to be edified and built up ourselves, but really we're creating an environment for other people. Amen? We're creating an environment. But then... You know, every individual needs restoring. How many in this place have needed a little restoration? <laughs> Just a little. Amen. Restoration doesn't happen overnight. But my belief is when the father got the son and he came home, he said, come on, put sandals on his feet. 
put the best robe on him after he'd washed him. Put a ring on his finger. Restoration hadn't been complete. But what he said to that boy is, you are now my son. And I'm going to treat you like a son, even though you're not perfect. And I think that's incredibly powerful. I'm going to treat you like a son. You're going to walk with new sandals. You're going to have a ring on your finger as a sign of my covenant promise to you. And I'm going to put a robe on you. But I know that right now you're not complete. You're not where you should be. Every single one of us are being restored, changed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. And you know there's many issues in life today. I'm not going to talk about it, but just having watched one of the biggest curses, not just in the church, but in the world right now is pornography. But it's in the church. It is one of the most addictive forces that's robbing people of sexuality. It is strong. A woman in our London church has done a study. She showed the brain of three people. She showed the brain of a person who's living quite a normal life and it was just completely holistic. Then she showed the brain of a person who was addicted to drugs. And then she showed the brain of a person who was addicted to pornography. The brain of the person addicted to pornography was more damaged than the brain of the person addicted to drugs. The destruction of the brain and what people are doing to their, to their brain, to their physiology. They're saying that young people are, do not know, young boys do not know now, and I'm just not going to, I'm saying carefully, but they don't know, know how to operate with a girl or function with a girl because they've used a, an artificial stimulus that's robbing them of God's real function. Do you know they're coming into the church of Jesus Christ, and if the church is not ready for them, we'll never know how to restore them, heal them, we will be judgmental, we will push them away, and we won't be able to gather them in the brokenness of their humanity. Do you know they're coming into the church? Do you know some of them are in the church? Probably in this room today. But we as a church must know how to restore. We've got to restore people. And restoration doesn't happen immediately overnight. It's a process. How many people know it's a process? Enough of you didn't put up your hand. How many know it's a process? We're not, we're saved in a moment, but we're being saved over a lifetime. Amen. From glory to glory, as by the Spirit of the Lord, we are being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. We are becoming more godly. Amen. But it's a process. Religion can't do that. Religion condemns. 
Every time you hear a sermon about thou shalt not, every person in a seat gets more and more condemned. But when you talk about the heart of a loving God who wants to restore people, young people say, help me, Jesus. And restoration can begin in their heart and the power of God works in their humanity and slowly they are restored. And today, this is a welcome home church. Come on, it's a welcome home church. Come on, I'm prophesying. It's a welcome home church. It's a welcome home church where we are absolutely able to cover people in a mess with dignity because our sons and daughters of a living God with the understanding that they are not yet complete, knowing that they're coming into an environment where God's be able to work on the process of change in their humanity, in Jesus' name. And the final part is it celebrates. Amen. Every time, we have for years in Auckland, every time people give their heart to Jesus, we make sure that the church stands up and we say, welcome home. We clap, we celebrate. We don't like anybody leaving the service while we're welcoming people to the throne of grace. Amen. I got a friend, he, he pastors Hillsong London. His name's Gary Clark and it's a growing church and I've seen multitudes of people saved and he, uh, he's just in it. Gary Clark is a, a paradigm buster. I'll just tell a story and then we're going to pray. But anyhow, he had this visiting speaker and a whole lot of guests came for the visiting speaker. And the moment the visiting speaker had finished, Gary comes onto the platform and his whole aim is today there's people here we need to welcome home and lead to Jesus. The moment he started to go into this, this prayer to reach out to people who didn't know Jesus, a lot of the guests stood up and started to walk out while he was giving an altar call to bring people to Jesus. And he told me, he said, I, I don't know. He said, I, uh, to this day, I, 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 I just know it must have been the Spirit of God. He said an indignation came on him. As he watched these people leave, why he was giving an altar call for people to come to salvation, come home. They'd just come for the sermon. And he, he, he just stood there. He said, turn your heads, everybody. Look at all the people who are leaving right now. When I'm here to lead people to Jesus, they're leaving at the most crucial part of the service. He said, goodbye, people. You're not welcome back here. He said, if you can't respect our house, please don't come because we want those seats for people that we're welcoming into Jesus. Do you know, he said, when he did it, he thought, what came over me? The visiting preacher said, you're going to empty your church, mate. He said, the next week we doubled and we continued to grow every week after but they were people who were being welcomed to Jesus. They were coming home to the house of God. Amen. Welcome home. Come on, welcome home. I prophesy, welcome home. To create an environment where people who don't know Jesus 
will be embraced by the generosity of a church who will give. The generosity of a church who will pray. The generosity of a church that will anticipate. The generosity of a church that will restore. The generosity of a church that will create a party that will welcome people home. Today, in the name of Jesus, I declare this profound word into the heart of Equipa's Central Coast, that every seat in this building will be filled with people who are coming to the knowledge of Jesus. Amen. Can you remember when you got saved? Got your name. When did you give your heart to Jesus? Nellie. When did you give your heart to Jesus, Nellie? About 11 years of age, something happened. Yeah. Amen. What about the girl on the fourth row here? Whole life. Whole life. You've known Jesus. My wife's like that just says, there's never been a time in my life where I haven't believed that Jesus is my Savior. She cannot remember a moment when she was born again, but she's always believed. Amen. When you're eight, maybe. Children's salvation. What about you, sir? Four and a half years. Four and a half years old. Wow. Children's salvation here, man. Pretty powerful. What about you, Barbara? 30. Amazing, amazing. Can't get everyone. I can never, never forget that moment. Never forget the moment when somehow the, the love of God apprehended your heart and you came to Jesus Christ. Don't let that be clouded by your today theological, academic knowledge. <laughs> Some days you just need to come back to the loving heart of God the Father who made himself known for you. And some days I stand and I, especially at baptism times, I love to remember my salvation. Amen. I love to remember when I came home to the arms of a loving father and he welcomed me. And into the heart of a church that made room for me. And today in the name of Jesus, I speak into this church. I pray the prophetic touch, God, here will somehow reach beyond these walls. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the church will be out there welcoming people home and inviting people into a service on a Sunday where there's a whole group of people who are about to embrace people, whether they're smelly, whether they're addicted, whether they're broken, whether they're maimed, but we're welcoming them home. Whether the young people who are fatherless, whether they're young girls who've never known a mum or a dad, whoever they are, God, we right now declare that this is a house of healing, it's a house of restoration. Every Sunday, miracles are going to take place. Why? Because we're going to surround this whole environment with prayer and anticipation that you're going to do something incredibly supernatural. In Jesus' name. How about just standing with me? Just lift your hands for a moment.
Let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, today I invite you to take over my life with a new anointing. I arise to the glory of Jesus upon me. And wherever I am, I will display that glory to a broken humanity, whether it be my children, whether it be my family, whether it be people that I work with. I long to reach out and be your heart to welcome people into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Just why every eye is closed. Perhaps you're here today and you've never made a response to Jesus. You've never known the, the power of a loving God who longs to reach out into your brokenness, sometimes into our shame, sometimes into the area of our need. You've never received Jesus knowing the fact that He died for you. He not only died for you, but He overcame the power of your sin. And today He's resurrected in heaven. He's the Lord God Almighty. And He said, I've died for you that you might be whole. But the only response you need to make is you've got to welcome me into your life. And that's why we give an appeal because it's like making a decision. Yeah, Jesus, I welcome you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Perhaps you've never made that decision. Perhaps you have made the decision and you've somehow just wandered away like the boy that was in this story today. And it's almost like today you're back, you're coming home, and you just need to praise God. Just, God, just wrap me, wrap, wrap your arms around me this morning. I'm coming home. I want to get rid of the shame. I want to get rid of the guilt. I want to get rid of the condemnation in my life. You're in one of those two categories. When I count to three, I just ask you to put your hand up. I ask you to wave it so I know where it is, and I ask you to look at me. Just That's all you got to do. Lift your arm, wave, and look at me. Then I know who I'm praying for. So I count to three now, and then just lift your hand. One, two, three. I see right here, girl. Over here. Look at me so I know who I'm praying for. I just want you to look right across this room right now. I think there's a person over here. Thank you for lifting your hand. Just lift your hand wherever you are. I, I think often this is the greatest moment in the service where people are coming home. If someone can see your hand and I can't because the lights are on me, just wave, wave your hand so I can see right now. You're coming home. You're coming home. You're coming home to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray for those people who have lifted their hand. I know there's one or two but we're going to pray. I reckon every Sunday we're going to see people coming home in this house. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a big placard that no one can see, but they can feel. Welcome home. Amen. Amen. Let's pray with this, this person today or people. Jesus, today I open the door of my life. I ask you to come. Forgive me of the shame, the guilt. Wash it with your precious blood that I might know the power of your forgiveness. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. 
Today I acknowledge you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, welcome them home with a big clap. Hallelujah. Someone would have seen you, put your hand up, and uh, they'll just want to be able to help you today. The girl right here, you're clapping over there. Yeah, you, you just turned your head. Yeah, you. I reckon you're a welcome home committee. God's anointing's on your life, and he's about to open up massive doors where God's going to bring people into your life, into your world, and you're going to bring, I, I, I see you bringing many people to Jesus over the next couple of years because you've just got that anointing on your life. You know, I don't particularly, when I preach, I have that anointing, but some people are just gatherers for the kingdom, and God's going to use your exceptional ability to gather, to welcome people home, to bring them into the church of Jesus Christ. And I right now prophesy that in your spirit. I right now declare the anointing of God in your heart. Young guy here with glasses on. Yeah, just lift your hands, mate. Right now, God, I just pray for your anointing on this young man. There will be a supernatural touch of heaven come on him. He'll feel far, he'll feel energized in Jesus' name. I pray for the energy of your Holy Spirit to come on him. Father, that he'll be able to run. He won't get weary. There'll be something of a stamina given by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Guy here, you, you've got that glory on your head, uh, <laughs> glasses. <laughs> Just lift your hands right now. Right now, God, God is going to keep you useful. Amen? You're going to have a usefulness about you. And don't, don't, don't underestimate it. It's like, it, it's like a, an anointing. And God's going to keep you incredibly useful. In fact, people are going to be surprised at how old you are because you're still going to be young. And I prophesy that into you. I prophesy right now usefulness. I prophesy the ability uh, to keep moving, the ability to dream big, the ability to keep reaching out. Right now, I pray those arms, even though they're long arms, but they'll have a wide reach in the name of Jesus. And, and, and never allow yourself to sit down and say, I'm too tired. Get up. Because the moment you get up, there'll come a spirit on you. There'll come a usefulness on you. And you will have energy to do what you could never do in your own natural Ability. Amen. Amen. How many want that anointing? <laughs> Come on, lift your hands. Come on, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is present in Jesus' name. Uh, another lady right in my middle here, you got your hands just like that. Yeah, you, you just went like that. You went like that. <laughs> Amen. God just touched you right now. You, you, you're like one of these precious people who restores. Amen. You're restorative. And I, I even believe God's going to put children on your heart. And you're going to reach into the heart of children, and God's going to, God's going to use you very powerfully. And uh, it's, it's, not, it's almost not, not, not going down. It's actually coming up. Amen. You're coming up into a new level, and I just prophesy that. I prophesy right now peace. I prophesy creativity. I prophesy the power to restore. I prophesy the power to embrace in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? All together. Like this. Just with me. Prophesy. Welcome home. Come on, just keep your hands up. Prophesy. Welcome home. Now just take this line. I have made a space for you. Just say it. I have made a space for you. Welcome home. From the bottom of my heart, welcome 
home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Come on, welcome home. God's doing something supernatural. Supernatural. Church is not just in a service on Sunday. It's every day of the week. God, let me be a vessel that welcomes people home because we've made a space for people in the bottom of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.